0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Our guest today is Apple Season Pass host, Jillian Sakovic. Jillian, how has life been since the start of the season?
0: Uh, It's been great. It's been hopefully a little bit of a mirror of what the fans have been experiencing of that. Uh, We want to give full MLS coverage pre game post wrap up everything and for me who's been in the league since uh 2015 uh it's a pinch me moment for sure that we have all this stuff that is just for uh mls which we had some really awesome broadcast partners in the past when i was with fs1 and then when i was with espn but uh they have to do other sports and it's really fun to be in a room where all we're doing is not only soccer but mls
1: It's such a cool point, man. It's so cool being a fan of the league for a number of years, um, going through life right now and just seeing MLS ads pop up in different places and just seeing the way that Apple is treating the league uh, with sort of the respect that it's never really gotten anywhere else has been really, really cool. It feels like coming into the season, there's been an excitement from uh, fans, fans of soccer in this country, fans of the league, fans who are giving the league a, a try, maybe for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. You know, we're coming off of the World Cup. People are anticipating the 2026 World Cup. Yeah. Um, the, the excitement in MLS is just palpable. With the Apple deal, with the Leagues Cup right around the corner, are, are you feeling that excitement from your perspective? Is does this year feel different than years past?
0: It does. It feels big time um, and respected. And that's not saying that it wasn't before or or whatever, but it feels um, elevated. And you mentioned like Apple, right? I was just in the Apple store uh, fixing my phone, and the way that there's like a screen on their chic white wall playing something—it was playing all MLS highlights. It's and I'm, crazy, that right? Is really wild and I'm like looking at it and I'm like waiting for it to change and it never did it was just on a loop of MLS highlights and I'm like that's so fun and you know I think Sam for like a fan and a um person of the media like yourself that's devoted so much time to it it's like it's a pat on everybody's back I think that people like yourself doing this um the producers the play-by-play everybody who's put the work in Hopefully, and like whether you caught some eyeballs or you engaged a new fan, everyone's kind of done this together. So while there's some people that are, quote, working for the MLS season pass uh, and others that are enjoying it, it does feel like this is a culmination of, of everybody's hard work.
1: Bet online remains your number one source for all sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC and MMA and more. Always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Absolutely. I mean, whenever you think about where the league started... You know, everybody remembers those pictures of like um, Alexi Lalas and Valderrama with like the wild jerseys on, the crazy logos, the rule changes, just all the stuff that they did in in the early days to um, try to make soccer popular in the United States that actually kind of like backfired, had this reverse effect where because they were trying to change things to appeal to an American audience, people who were American soccer fans felt a little disrespected by all that. Like. Why isn't the game good enough, you know, from those beginnings to where we are right now, where it's certain. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, the transfers that MLS has coming in and out and just some of the players in the league, some of the things that are happening, the attendance numbers, the, the viewership numbers, and it, just seeing it transition from where it was in 1996 to where it was, where it is right now is incredible. Another thing that's really incredible is the fact that MLS season pass and Apple TV have Just created this production, just this whole giant production company, this whole production uh, for MLS just over the the span of a couple of years. I mean, I think people have this sense that you just turn on the TV and like things appear and and don't really think about like everything that's going on behind the screen, not just the stuff that we're seeing on the screen, but all the people in in the background that are putting that together. And I've worked in production for a little while and usually whenever you know, you're know you in production, there's, there's someone in there who knows all the secrets, who've been there for a long time, who knows all the passwords, who was there when everything was set up, who, who knows everything. It, it, it blows my mind that you guys put together this whole production from scratch, where everybody's new, everybody's brand new. Can you take me behind the scenes and talk to me a little bit about the logistics of putting that all together from your perspective on the broadcast side, as well as some of the stuff going on behind the scenes to, to make this season pass happen.
0: Absolutely. I mean, because of your production background, you really hit the nail on the head where everything, everything from is the printer working to uh, the truck, making sure that uh, the English side, right, is not hearing the Spanish side because you've got two English speaking broadcasters and then one booth over got the two Spanish speaking broadcasters and there's a truck and you have all the audio people. It's like, Not only is there the whole studio setup, but you're also doing 14 ish games a weekend uh, with an entire crew. Like when you drive by something and you see those huge TV trucks like those have been sent out all over North America to, to make this thing work. So behind the scenes, though, I can tell you what has stood out to me is like, look, if if there was someone there that wasn't obsessed with MLS and obsessed with making this project work, it wouldn't everyone's pulling long hours everyone's into it and everybody has the best attitude because everyone's just excited because you're seeing the fruits of everyone's labor pay off or like uh, someone like you saying that like it looks great it feels big that makes 14 hours at 106 in park last saturday we would do 18 hours because it's paying off and it only pays off when you have the investment. And the resources that Apple and MLS are giving us, like Awesome Studios or an MLS wrap up show, which I had, I knew fans would like it, but I had no idea the appetite that would be there for. Yeah, we just had a Saturday night with like six hours of soccer, but people still want a 30 minute show with every goal right away. That show comes out after a commercial break as soon as the final West Coast game ends. So, I've loved how rewarding it's been because everyone is working and everyone is doing a 100 other things that they probably didn't sign up for in their job description, but we're seeing it pay off and we're seeing that fans like it. And is it anywhere near where it's going to be at the end of the year? No, we are two days into a 10-year project. So uh, while I'm happy that people like it, we all are going to get better. We have to get better. We uh, need to elevate it. And like we're going to do that every week.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great point because I I do think that there's, there's this sense that as soon as you guys hit the ground running that it should be this polished piece and there was just never any chance that it would be like that because everything is so brand new. I mean, the broadcast teams have to build that chemistry over time. And same thing with the people behind the scenes. It was just never gonna be um, what it's gonna be a few years down the road, right from the start. But just right. the bones of everything, just to see the picture quality and and, and kind of the ideas and the concepts is, is really cool. Now, I did get distracted for a second there. You said 106 and Park. Are you guys in the same space as the old BET studio? Yes,
0: yep. We are there in what is the iconic 106 and Park wow. building. Uh, where there's been a lot of incredible, incredible things uh, shot in there. The first one, of course, being 106 and Park, the show uh, that we all watched growing up. And another thing, I think that was in there was like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? At one point, like there has been some awesome stuff. And it all makes sense when you see us in that big studio. You're like, oh yeah, that checks.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, I gotta imagine at some point, whenever you're uh, doing the show, you're just thinking like Nelly was here, and I was
0: yeah, uh, and I love yeah. Nelly.
1: <laughs> so um, I know that there's been a lot of just question marks about the Apple TV deal and how it would play out and, and what changes would take place. Uh, I know the first weekend, just Twitter was flooded with people asking about, you know, will I be able to watch my team on TV? What games are free? What games aren't free? I'm curious from your perspective, what are some of the most frequently asked questions you're getting um, about the, the whole new setup?
0: So our, our Twitter handles have also become like Apple TV support hotlines. Yeah, And I'll be honest, I'm, ha- I'm happy to do it. Like, I get a question and I screenshot it. And to their credit, MLS and Apple have kind of sent us like, hey, when you get stuff, send it here. Because until someone asks, they don't know that it's something. So people complaining about um, seeing the scores when they wanted to watch replays was one. Wanting to watch so many damn replays was another one that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, MLS Wrap Up, the show that I host at the end of the night, um, like at four o'clock in the morning, my phone going off, like, where's MLS Wrap Up? Obviously, eventually <laughs> the goal is to have that show right away, right? As And you can watch it right away, but if you don't, then like, can you watch it an hour later? I think right now they like uploaded it like the next morning, Um, So that was kind of cool to see the demand of how many people want to see every goal, uh, because that's like our promise on the show. So I think that that part has been has been really, really interesting.
1: All right, let's talk about some actual soccer. So before all this, I know that you spent a great time, a great deal of time in Atlanta uh, working with that team. Um, And they're a really interesting story. Whenever they came into the league, I mean, they set the league on fire with. The attendance with the atmosphere with everything going on down in atlanta and the team was really really good but then you know you you lose a few players you lose a coach you you a few things happen and all of a sudden a few years down the road um this team had a really poor season last year they're trying to bounce back this year um are they going to bounce back what are you seeing in atlanta or are they going to regain what what once was a few years ago or are they destined to uh be rebuilding for a few more seasons
0: no uh, they're going to they're gonna bring it back because they have to. Uh, that market demands it. And that's what I that's what I like about them. They can complain. Atlanta United fans could complain all they want to me on Twitter because I like that that standard was set. And believe me, like they did. And I was there. I started in 2018, which was only their second year as a club. and I was just asked on uh, the Cooligans podcast earlier today. Oh, are you so surprised about St. Louis city that like, this is the success. And I said, I know I worked at Atlanta and I'm slightly partial, but Atlanta United coming into the league forever changed the game that it is not okay to be a slow start expansion team. Minnesota United did nothing wrong. They built an incredible stadium, honestly, one of the best in the league. Um, They've done decent for themselves, but they had a slow start and like, That is the last time I can think of a team that kind of, and I don't think that they planned it differently. I think that the slow build that they had was kind of their model. And Atlanta United blew that out of the water. They said, no, 2017, we're going to open Mercedes-Benz Stadium midway through, and then the next year we're going to win an MLS Cup. And and we're going to break every attendance record. Joseph Martinez is going to break every scoring pace record on the planet. And they did that in year two. And then they kind of... And then LAFC comes in the league in 2019 and I think a lot of fire lit under their butts because of Atlanta United, Charlotte, Miami. Obviously Miami kind of had their issues um, that were stacked against them, but like that type of start was no longer okay. And I think Atlanta United changed changed that. And then when you see a team like St. Louis pick up where they did um, in week one, beating Austin, a team that could win MLS Cup, that's a statement. And Atlanta United changed the expansion team conversation. But to answer your question about Atlanta United this year, they have to get it right. They have no excuse not to. When you look at that roster, that is a roster half the league would be jealous of. Uh, Luis Araujo, I think he's trying to do too much. I think that he needs to be complemented more by the guys around him. Perhaps the Yakimakis will be exactly that. Um, the Greek freak, I don't know if he... I guess by MLS standards, he could be a Greek freak. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Greek freak, uh, the tank, as they call him, coming um, from the Scottish Premiership over to Atlanta United. Uh, they got Miles Robinson back. And they have Brad Gazan in net. So let's see. But it has to be better. There's no reason for it not to be better. There's no reason that this team doesn't make the playoffs, at least. So I'm interested to see what they do. And what I want to see from them is, Is what I saw in year one and what you see from teams all the time just know who you are go out there you might not win but know who you are and I need to see re-see kind of that identity from Atlanta United
1: you know you mentioned um, a handful of teams that are all fairly new and a bunch of them were in the south and I'm from the south I'm from Louisiana you know and and for years I would be talking about soccer in the United States with people and they would talk about how soccer is just not going to work in the South. Um, you know, they had MLS franchises that failed in Florida. If you even want to call, you know, Florida's kind of, depending on where you are in Florida.
0: Yeah. It doesn't really, really gonna, feel like the South. Yeah, yeah, it definitely doesn't, uh, doesn't.
1: It t- Yes. Parts of it. Yes. Parts of it. Not so much. Uh, and same thing can be said for Texas kind of, sort of, it's kind of its own thing out there uh, with, with Houston and Dallas, but you look around the league all of a sudden and, um, some of the most exciting teams in the league, some of the teams with the best atmospheres and, and, and just the best um, fan bases to watch on TV, some of the best stadiums. I mean, you're talking about Nashville, you're talking about Atlanta, Austin, um, St. Louis, with just the beautiful stadium that they've put together. Um, you got to experience yeah. soccer in Atlanta and kind of that culture, how it built. Um, what can you tell me about soccer in the southern part of the United States and, and why these franchises have just taken so quickly to MLS. These fans have been so receptive.
0: I think one thing that I've seen, whether it's in Austin, um, Atlanta, Nashville, you mentioned is I grew up in the Northeast and we all, you know, had like weekend soccer. And I think we thought that was specific to us. Um, But then we went on with our lives and there was really nowhere to go after that. Um, And I think now with like young families moving down South, I, The fields on the weekends are packed with kids playing soccer. And and granted, right, you could say, well, it's always been that way. But there's definitely a little bit more. And I think now the fact that there are these teams that people can watch on TV, right, and associate themselves with, I was always shocked whether you're in like a Louisiana or a South Carolina, people that would love Atlanta United. Um, So I think they're honing into that a little bit. Um, In Atlanta, it was the transient market for sure. Um, people came in with their NFL teams. They came in with their MLB teams. Uh, You know, everyone you meet is not from that's living like in the heart of of the city. Most are not from Atlanta. So like the average 20 year old doesn't 20 something doesn't have an MLS uh, soccer team. Maybe they follow the U S at best. And then they come in and there's kind of this cool team downtown to do. So I, I think that also people have been quick to dismiss the soccer culture in the South. So while it's boomed for sure i it's always been there and now i just think it's getting a little bit more of the respect or notoriety that it deserves i'm not gonna act like it popped up five years ago it's been there you know when i used to hear about the stories in atlanta it's been there
1: it's so cool to see and speaking of uh soccer culture in the south i mean we got an absolute treat last weekend with the uh opening of uh st louis's stadium Mm -hmm. um i mean just the, the atmosphere was incredible. I think a, a ton of people tuned into that game. There were there were moments where I was watching that match with with the way the stadium is set up and the way the fans are just like right on the field. Um, it, it felt at times like, I, am I watching an MLS game? Like, what is this? I feel like I'm I'm watching something uh, straight out of Europe. Uh, tell me about the the St. Louis franchise opening that stadium. Um, just the excitement all the way around it.
0: You know, City Park, I was lucky enough to go there and do the MLS um, the MLS uh, Super Draft from there. Uh, and I got a glimpse of it, like 95% done, and I was blown away. When I mentioned Allianz Field with Minnesota United, that's what I love about it. Um, it's just a newer Red Bull Arena, which I also love. And it's those very close touch lines, um, grass, All you know, all the things that you love for a good European uh, soccer stadium. And then as for the fans, I mean, I'm going to show you this one picture. The video is incredible, but like, look at this. Wait, look at this baby.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that on TV.
0: (laughs) If that doesn't summarize, like amazing. This baby is in a beer shower in the supporter section after their first ever goal at City Park, which was an own goal, but still uh, the place just erupted. and. st louis has been overdue um you know you look at the 1950s world cup roster that beat england that like half that roster were guys from st louis so kind of like you mentioned the south you go way back in st louis and the soccer has been there forever it's now just the proper investment um from carolyn kindle and her family that is is giving these people what has been long overdue
1: yeah, and I know uh, Josh Sargent is from that area. I think there's another U.S. men's national team player from that yes, area. Yes,
0: it's a hotbed. Right? And, like, you look at you look at MLS players, of like the Taylor Twellman era, which we all know Taylor, uh great <laughs> colleague of mine, like, is from St. Louis. But you look at so many other guys that are from the St. Louis area. Like, um, I was just on a Cincinnati podcast last night, and so I was looking some things up, and I was like, Pat Noonan is from the St. Louis, like suburb, like their head coach, former MLSer. There is a ton of guys from St. Louis.
1: Well, Taylor Twellman is a great transition to my next question. It's it's that you know Taylor Twellman is from St. Louis, but he also uh, played a, a lot of his MLS career in uh, New England for the New England Revolution. And I, I think one thing I noticed whenever I was switching around channels. Um, during the uh, the the last weekend in MLS is that you go from these incredible stadiums with this incredible atmosphere in places like um, St. Louis and Nashville and Austin and Atlanta and then you go to other places like uh, New England and you know Houston um, Chicago some of the more uh, traditional ML or what do you, what is I forget Paul Tenario had a had a term for them they're like the
0: Original, the originals, yeah,
1: yeah, whatever the, the older MLS teams and some of the bigger markets. And there seems to be a stark contrast in just the way that the, the excitement around these teams. Uh, Paul Tenario wrote a great article in The Athletic um, this week about expansion versus reinvigorating some of those older franchises in MLS and how important it's going to be for the league whenever we look towards the next decade or so to really get some of those franchises caught up with the rest of the league some of the newer teams in the league Uh, i'm curious about your thoughts on that and and what what needs to happen in order for um some of those older teams to feel like some of the newer teams in terms of excitement and atmosphere and, and just importance to their community
0: uh spending money spending money you you gotta keep up with these new stadia you can be classic right like Columbus crew um, built an incredible new downtown stadium uh, and I loved Maffrey. that has nothing no disrespect to the historic Moffray um but you have to evolve and you have to keep up and being eh kind of like the broadcast is no longer good enough because now there's the apple season pass and you if you're gonna put out MLS content like you need to kind of match that um so I think it's spending money I think a lot of MLS teams have gotten used to being okay and there's kind of been tiered MLS teams. And I think that the Austins, uh, the St. Louises, the Atlanta's the LAFCs are now putting the pressure on the teams that maybe aren't spending are okay with having under 10,000 in the stands. And like, there's not many of them. When I, when I think about, about, teams that maybe could improve um, or as Don Garber said, you know, like reassess a couple things. things. Um, it's kind of like playing for a starting position. Like, listen, like now there's other games in town and the pressure's on and you're seeing what St. Louis is doing. You know, you, you can no longer use that you're a small market or that you're not in New York or that you're not in LA. Uh, so I kind of love the competition that's, that's there. And obviously, you know, a promotion relegation is is not something that is going to immediately be done you know don said don garber the commissioner said in that article that it's not it's not happening anytime soon but that he'll never say never because the league is going to evolve it's 28 years young
1: yeah and it seems like expansion is just going to continue to happen It's it's been such a um, lucrative and uh profitable thing for the league, not just in terms of the expansion fee, but also in terms of the new fan bases and just the excitement and some of the successes that you're seeing with some of the expansion teams. Um, Now, one, I I think, great um, example of what we're discussing right now in terms of like old versus new is what's happening in LA right now, where you have the LA galaxy who have been the super club of the league who are still one of the higher spending clubs in all of MLS, uh, but they have a new rival that's come to town in LAFC. And I remember whenever LAFC was um, being discussed and, and being something that, uh, that, that was coming to the league, people thought, like, is this going to be another Chivas USA? Is this going to be another um, extra team in LA that people don't really care about? But they've come into the league and it seems like they've done everything right i mean from the kits to the naming to the uh designated players that they brought in to uh, the feel of, of hollywood that they brought to the league to their stadium just everything about it just just feels like it's it's been a part of the league for for a long time whenever you think about how how old that club actually is it's pretty fascinating and then you check out la galaxy with all the heritage and everything that they have, they're probably the most famous club in MLS. I think they're the most followed on social media. Um, certainly have had the, uh, I think the most success of any club, but now it feels like, you know, if we're making predictions about the next 10 years, it feels like LAFC is this club that's on the rise and the LA galaxy are on the decline. What is the story there? Is LA galaxy going to be returned to being the giant in this league, or at least one of the giants in this league, or, are they set for rebuilding for a number of years?
0: Well, make no mistake about it. The LA Galaxy right now are living in the shadows of LAFC. And I don't think anybody thought when they came in the league in 2019 that that would happen so quickly. And you know what? Your your point really makes me think that it's not just about spending money for teams that need to be successful, right? It's spending money in the right ways um, in your community, in your academy, in your stadium, Um in your promotion because you know a blank checkbook can be a dangerous thing look at the money that toronto spent look at the money that atlanta united spent Valley galaxy um and, and yeah toronto might make mls cup with the money that they've spent they might not so it's not just the spending money i think it's the overall smarts and in investment however lafc now is the team in town. Like, you want to talk about Hollywood? I mean, you got Giorgio Chiellini on that team. You've got Gareth Bale Bale scoring your MLS Cup winner. Granted, he was there for a short time, but, like, that's going to go down in history forever and ever, and it's Gareth Bale. You've got Justin Bieber on the sideline. Like, they are just killing it right now. And as we've seen with Atlanta United and the entire course of MLS forever, whether you go back to D.C. then, D.C. now, they will have their highs and their lows and their peaks and their valleys. But for right now, they are very high. And the LA Galaxy is in every way, shape, or in form, minus their five MLS cups, uh, the most in MLS, in their shadows. But to your point, LA Galaxy is the most recognizable MLS brand still on planet Earth. And, and there's a lot of value in that. So you know what, Galaxy? The fans deserve it. They've had obviously some offseason season issues, but uh, get back to it.
1: Yeah, one of the saddest things from the opening weekend of, of the MLS season is that we didn't get that opening uh, El Tráfico.
0: July fourth, uh, July fourth. Maybe it'll. Maybe it's meant to be. We'll see.
1: That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Now that you mention it, um, I, I want to move on to uh, a similar topic. I mean, discussing the LA Galaxy. Is there a team in the league this year? Maybe you can name multiple teams that had a not-so-great season last year that you feel like is going to bounce back and make a deep run?
0: The one that is without a doubt, there's plenty that are capable, but the one that is without a doubt is the Seattle Sounders. When you look at them, they are the only team that I have watched now for two weeks and that does not look like they are two weeks in. They look like week 20, week 30, or game 20, game 30 uh, of an MLS team. So... Seattle Sounders last year. It's so funny because they're the first team ever last year to win CONCACAF champions league. We have this discussion on the eve of champions league coming back. Um, they go to the club world cup, but yet they still are considered a disappointment last year because they didn't make the playoffs. The Seattle Sounders did not make the playoffs for their first time ever as a club. They didn't make the playoffs and they came in firing. They are at the top of the table. They have six goals for none against, uh, And that is a team that you're like, not only did they not make the playoffs last year, but, like, they're not only going to make a deep run. Like, by the way that they look right now, I don't know who can beat them.
1: Yeah, they were cooking in that first game of the season, man. And, you know, they had a lot of injuries last year. But you're right. They're one of those teams that when they've got it all together, they've got a lineup that you're looking at it and you're like, wait, who is the DP on this team? And who's, I don't understand how <laughs> yeah, they're must playing Yeah, it does feel
0: like a team people. filled with designated players. You're right.
1: All right, speaking of designated players, uh, I, I want to close out with a few specific player questions. So you got front row seats to one of the biggest MLS success stories in recent memory um, uh, with Miguel Amiron, where he was at Atlanta United and was just the orchestrator of that fantastic team. Um, that just just tore up the league. He ends up getting the move to Newcastle, and although he had kind of a rough start, he's started cooking right now for Newcastle. He's one of the the major success stories of, of MLS exports. Can you give me another player right now in the league, and he can't be American, that you think could be the next Miguel Amirón, the next big foreign export that that's going to start tearing it up um, overseas? Uh,
0: Tiago Almada. He'll be I feel like that's
1: the game. easy one, man. That That's the slam dunk That's right the there. most
0: obvious one. If you're thinking of a guy who is at that scale, um, it's Tiago Almada, the only active player in MLS to ever win a World Cup. Granted, okay, the guy who played 90 minutes every game, but he got to rub shoulders with and train with Lionel Messi and a World Cup-winning team. So it might be the easy one, or it might also be the one that's just Tiago Almada come – what is today, March seventh? In one year's time, will be the player from MLS that has elevated the furthest in one year's time? Absolutely, and because he said when he came to Atlanta United, as much like it's a stepping stone, and who started that is Miguel Almirón. So it's Tiago Almada uh, for me. If you want a, a non-American, and if you want American guys that are going to next move, question, yeah. Move, if you want American guys um, that are going to move on to Europe. Um, I think I'm really excited to see Brandon Vasquez. I think that I enjoyed him a lot. Now granted, he's playing with Brenner, he's playing with Lucho Acosta. Um, that's a great front three. However, 18 goals last year, and he, you know, gets maybe in his mind snubbed from the national team. Uh he was a late add to the all-star roster for MLS. So I think maybe he's at times missing that bite to his game, maybe that bite to his finishing. And if he can take all of this and bottle it up and kick his game up a notch, I could see him um, making big moves. And then anyone who has come up through the Philadelphia union Academy and is on the first team right now, take them too, because they, they can go on any, any team, any guy that comes through there. I've, I've learned uh, to learn their name quickly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they are just pumping out players right now. Julian, I have to ask, if there's one thing that I get picked on more than anything else, it is uh, my love for Jesus Ferreira.
0: I and love I, and he's,
1: he had a tough World Cup. He he didn't perform like I was really hoping he would, but he's still such a young player. And, and I got to wonder, I mean, you just mentioned Brandon Vasquez. He had 18 goals last season, phenomenal season for him. Um, but he's, was he, 24, 25 years old? I believe I think. Vasquez
0: yeah. is 24.
1: Jesus Ferreira is 22 years old heading into the season. He gets two goals for, uh, in the second game for um, the, uh, uh, FC Dallas. He's such a young player. He's so exciting. He's got the same amount of goals as Brandon Vasquez. Why does that guy just not get the respect? I
0: think that it's, I think that it's a few things. I think Jesus Ferreira is not your typical striker. And I think he kind of came into the U.S., um chatter like he would be the number nine answer um you know i had a conversation with him ahead of their friendlies in june and he kind of said the reason i can hold up or run in behind is because at the fc dallas academy he was he was a 10 so he kind of learned that style of also creating so he's not your traditional striker and i think sometimes like the u.s wants that so bad that he, he just came off a weekend with some great goals. So maybe he could be that, but maybe that's not his game. And then maybe how do you work him in? But I think Ferreira, for me, does, does get his name set enough for what he's done. Um, has he had great MLS seasons? Yes. Um, has he had a couple great moments for the U.S.? Yes, but... I think that he's kind of where he should be at, at, at 22 in terms of conversations. Um, let's see what he can do with the U.S. Let's see what he can do should he move on um, from Dallas. Has he killed it in Major League Soccer? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I'll save everybody the, um, the in the comment section. He also missed a lot of goals. That's an, he, he missed a lot. I, I understand that he had a lot of big missed chances. Uh, Jillian, I'm gonna let you go. I know that we're up against it. Uh, before we go, uh, can you tell everybody where they can find you where your show is and, and where they can get you on social media?
0: Yeah, I didn't want to go there on Jesus, but we'll leave that <laughs> up to the people in, in the comment section. It and will guys, be going Jesus. to
1: one way that's, or another.
0: That's part of your maturity process um with Jesus Ferrer. Um, but at Julian Zach, that's Instagram or Twitter. But more importantly, um on the MLS season pass, you can catch us at uh whatever your time zone is at the 15. So 815, 915, 1015 um at night, Eastern previewing your games on mls countdown and then right after the final whistle of the final game on mls wrap up and again that's on demand so you can watch that too but thank you so much this has been a blast
1: julia thank you for coming on thank you for doing what you do for american soccer your your passion your professionalism your your quality uh, appreciate it all and thank you for coming on the show guys thank you for watching make sure you hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet if you want the Yank Report in podcast form, you can find it anywhere that you get your podcast. Uh, on behalf of Jillian, my name is Sam, and this has been the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform.
1: Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.